media seem to report on buyers' markets and sellers' markets, and it may be different in different types of markets. Like the apartment market might be a better buyer's market, where the housing market might be in a seller's market. We've got Frank Valentic from Advantage Property Consulting here to tell us how to know the difference. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langida. Frank Valantic is the bald-headed buyer's advocate we know from the block. He's got more front than Myers, he's got more know-how than possibly 100 agents at a real estate conference, and he's one of the most trusted and respected people in the business. Welcome, Frank. Thank you. What an introduction that was. Thanks yes. for coming back. That's all right. Thank you, guys. Love, love the intro. Young I'll pay you later. Okay. <laughs> Frank, how do we know it's a seller's market? Well, the first thing you look at is what the clearance rates are doing in, in the marketplace because the auction market in Melbourne uh, will tell you a lot about the consumer sentiment out there. So I think looking at the clearance rates, if the clearance rates are around 75% plus, then you know you're in more of a seller's market uh, because the market is stronger. There's uh, you know, competitive bidding at most auctions and a lot of the auctions are exceeding reserves by 10-15%. So it's really that auction market is the beat of the Melbourne property market. Mm. When it was a buyer's market uh, from that period September 2017 to the election period in Melbourne, clearance rates were below 50%. Mm. Uh, there was little or no bidding at auctions and reserves weren't being met and properties were being passed in. Uh, so they're the real litmus tests of the Melbourne market is firstly look at what the auction market is doing and that usually flows through then to the rest of the private sale market as well. Okay. So when it's around that 40-45% mark that's the, the buyer's market so what should buyers be doing in that kind of market? Well, they should be going to auctions yeah. and uh, putting their hand up and trying to have properties passed into them because yeah. there'll be opportunities for them to buy properties below the reserve prices. Yeah. So you definitely want to be the highest bidder at, at these auctions because the highest bidder gets the sole right to negotiate. Yeah. Uh, so you want to be there and make sure you're the, the only bidder or yeah. the highest bidder yeah. and then you've got a chance to negotiate. Uh, a lot of people hesitate buying in a buyer's market as we've seen investors sit on the fence because they don't want to buy when the market's not strong and they're scared that they might buy and the prices will drop back. Uh, but my advice to buyers is that's when you buy. Yeah. Um, you buy when the prices are down, you don't buy when they're up. Mm-hmm. And now investors have come back into the Melbourne market and they're buying now and they're are very competitive at auctions and they should have been buying in the last year and a half uh, when there were much better opportunities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you buy when the market is down, not when it's up, and a lot of people try and time the market and and often get it wrong. Yeah. Fair enough. Is there a middle ground where both buyers and sellers can take advantage of the marketplace? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's often that market where the clearance rates might be in between somewhere where it's a buyer's market, a seller's Mm -hmm. market, and there might be that sort of 55, 60% range where you've still got some strong results, uh, but then you've got some opportunities as well. So that's probably where our market was earlier this year, at the start of the year before the election, where the clearance rates were in that sort of zone where, you know, there were still some good buyers out there, uh, there, but not everything was a good buy. Uh, There were also some strong 
results and there was some runaway results mm. and you know some of the the properties with wow factor was was still getting some really really strong results exceeding and smashing reserves so i think that sort of market is that in between ground where you know there can be some opportunities for for buyers yeah. but also vendors can get some big wins um it's usually the properties that have got a bit of a wow factor or have got uh, that bit of uniqueness or the, the family homes that mm. are really really required by families uh, so there's that comp- competition that pushes those prices up so yeah. so that's the in between but i think the important thing for me is always um you don't try and time the market because even ourselves and I've been in the industry now for 20 years I didn't know that the market was going to change on September 2017 and that was the you know the peak of the market yeah. and then I didn't know that the market was going to change at election day which mm. is when the the tap turned on again mm. uh, and the market started to move mm. and we're in the game so how's how's yeah. an average buyer or seller going to know yeah. when you know they're they're not at the coal face like we are yeah. Um, so it's it's about sort of buying and selling when the time is right for you yeah. and not sort of trying to time the market and the old saying it's it's not time in, in timing the market it's time in the market because yeah. property should be a long-term um, mm. investment and not not a short-term speculation strategy so are there different markets happening in different suburbs or styles of property going on at the same time so for instance like California bungalows might be like a hot property at the moment whereas Victorian homes might be a bit down or or uh, you know even apartments doing really well but the houses like does that happen yes yeah yeah I think it is the the market's always segmented Uh, there's never one market in Melbourne there's probably you know almost eight or nine different markets uh, so the, the, the easiest separation is you know the housing market versus the apartment yeah. unit market you know that's the easiest way to draw a line and yeah. um, the housing market tends to go a lot stronger in the last sort of decade mm. in Melbourne because of the land value and the housing sector is obviously more um, more appealing to families that want you know houses with backyards um, and there has been a large oversupply of apartments in Melbourne's um, inner city and in a surrounding CBD radius the three kilometer radius Docklands South Bank the CBD so I think that market is very very different mm-hmm. to the housing sector where you've got you know nice period homes mm-hmm. in Melbourne's affluent middle and inner suburbs uh, that market there has been going up a lot more yeah on average you know doubling every seven to ten years yeah. whereas uh, unfortunately the apartment sector a lot of those new apartments have had nearly zero growth in the last seven to ten years so so yeah it, it there's always different markets doing different things the commercial market tends to lag behind the residential property market as well by a year or so uh, if you have a look at down the, some of the coastal areas as well in melbourne they tend to lag behind the melbourne um, you know, suburban market as well. So there's there's different markets doing different things. The outer suburbs in Melbourne tend to also lag behind the inner suburbs yeah. a bit as well. So there's that sort of little bit of catch-up. Yeah. Um, Same lag. tends to go for the country towns as well, doesn't it? Like Bendigo yeah. and Ballarat will then lag after yes. that again. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So you see that, you know, uh, Bendigo and Ballarat were sort of booming after our boom. Yeah. Happened yeah. here in 2017. They had really strong growth at even Geelong. That's mm. a massive growth yep. after Melbourne's prices peaked in September 2017. Yeah. So, I grew up in Mildura and I know that's sort of starting to boom now, which is yeah. like another lag again on that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so. and, and I think, uh, and then 
just on that point, it's, it's a good uh, strategy to have properties in different areas because some areas might be going up a bit more mm. and other areas might not be going up as much because there's always changing dynamics yeah. in the market. Um, and instead of putting all your eggs in one basket and buying one property mm. uh, for 1.5 million, I've got a client who is going to do that and um, I've convinced them now to probably look at two or three properties yeah. in different areas so that they can benefit from the different markets and the market movement just as shares and yeah. the share market will go up and down and different shares will go up and down at different times. The property market is also uh, affected by different dynamics yeah. at different times yeah. as well. And that yeah, you really have to look at your own personal circumstances before you, um, you know, to, to, to work out what the market is doing. Yeah. 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 What are the best ways buyers and sellers can take advantage of the market that's in their favour? Um, I think number one is to, to make sure you've got the right team on the bus mm. and hire the right professionals. So if you're selling, um, you need to go with the, the best selling agent there mm. to, you know, that's they're going to help you get the highest price. Uh, don't go with the agent that quotes you the highest price to buy your business, mm. um, which can be a mistake that people make. You know, they get four quotes and mm. proposals and then, you know, one agent sort of pumps the price up quite a lot yeah. and they choose that agent and make a big mistake because they've just chosen the agent who's put the price up to mm. try and get win the business as such. So, so I think that's really important. Just make sure you do your due diligence. Um, make sure that you go and then um, go to open homes. Um, if you're selling, um, you know, interview agents. Uh, you can also tap into people like myself as vendors advocates. It doesn't cost you anything extra and get a, a vendors advocate on board to help you choose the right agent, the right campaign, the right um, strategy for you to sell the property for the highest price. So yeah. so that's important. On the other side, uh, as, as a buyer then, you know, making sure that you've got your finance approved, make sure that you're ready to go when there's opportunities there. So again, getting the right finance team on your bus. Um, using a buyer's advocate that can help you open up and look at off-market properties like we do. We buy 95% of our properties privately and off-market yeah. and, and not having to compete against five or six bidders at auction. Yeah. Um, so I think that would assist. Uh, if you're not using a buyer's advocate, trying to get really good relationships with real estate agents so you can uh, access listings before they go on the market, before they go on realestate.com and um, you've got that chance to, to look at those properties and literally buy them before they go to the marketplace is, is again another important thing. Yeah. Um, so, and if you are gonna be trying to buy, mm -hmm. um, use someone else, uh, either a professional buyer's advocate or a family or friend to, to bid for you, uh, negotiate so you don't get emotional because I often see people get emotional. Yes. And they can overpay <laughs> and they get carried away at an auction and a good auctioneer can, you know, can drum up a hundred, two hundred thousand before you've even blinked your eyes. Yeah. Um, it's like, so, I don't have that money. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's some of the things there that, you know, I do on the buying side or the selling side. It's just some tips there. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a listener question. So Cindy from Richmond has found a gorgeous two-bedroom apartment that she just has to have. It's like... She's fallen in love with it, but every time she's inspected it, and yes, she's been to every single open for inspection, she's seen at least two or three people looking at the contracts that have been displayed on the kitchen bench. She's worried she's going to have too much competition, but she loves the apartment so much, she'll do anything for it. What's your advice on buying it at auction versus putting an offer in prior? 
Well, I'd, I'd definitely have a crack before auction in the mm. current market because yeah. it's not going to cost you anything. And uh, the bit of advice is don't ask the agent, will they take offers before auction? Because if it's a hot property, the agent's always going to say, no, they won't, we're going mm. through to auction. Um, so just put an offer in writing. Uh, yeah. And the best way to do it is on the contract to show you're serious. Yeah. Um, give them a strong offer beforehand. Um, if the property is in a certain price quote 550 to 600 they're not going to take offers at 550 it's going to have to be above um, the the price range quoted so you're going to have to be over 600 so make the offer attractive as 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 much as you can um, and see if you can catch some other buyers on the hop which is what we try and do is uh, try and make an offer on the Wednesday before an auction because then there's no cooling off period either Uh, and the agent is then more likely to accept that offer of the vendor because uh, prior to that the buyer can cool off and, oh, that, and that, can, that can kill yeah. a campaign. Yeah. So you yep, make so the they offer. Make sort of, yeah, it loses steam, the campaign, yeah. essentially. Yeah. yeah, so you'd make that offer on the Wednesday um, and try and, as I said, make it a, a strong offer. Yeah. Um, leave a little bit of petrol in the tank with your offer. Yeah. You know, if your highest is 631, I might go in at 616 or something yeah. like that. And if they don't accept that first one, they'll always come back with a counter offer mm. um, and end the offer uneven. Like I always end my offer, like I've just said, they're 616, 621, <laughs> yeah. 613. It yeah. makes it look like you've pushed yourself to the last it's dollar. dollar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Find out what settlement the owners want because mm-hmm. that might be the thing that clinches the deal yeah. if you can give them that exact settlement they might want 92 days or 30 days mm-hmm. and you give them that good offer yeah. um, and make it unconditional yeah. so you, you can't go in there and make it subject to finance or subject yeah. to building a report or even as I said make that offer before the calling off period starts yeah. so make it Wednesday onwards and create a, uh, put a deadline with the offer mm-hmm. 5 o'clock today Otherwise, I'm looking at another property that I'll be going for to create that fear of of loss that if they don't get this offer, the agent's going to, and the vendor could have egg on their face on auction day, because if we don't get to this 621, whatever our offer is, then, you know, it's that curly offer that you know they've they've got to sort of go well this is hard it's a good offer yeah. <laughs> we might get more but we might not yeah and it, you know you're not going to yeah. create that sort of curly offer situation with a 551,000 offer but if yeah. it's yep. if it's just yeah they'll take the pump yeah, yeah. So, so I think there's so some try, of the things try and bluffy real estate it's great <laughs> try <laughs> Well, no, try some great, great advice. <laughs> yeah. There for yeah. Sure. yeah, but try and yeah. I suppose you know you've got to try and um, tip the scales in your favour. Yeah. And try and give yourself the best chance to, to buy that. Yeah. And by standing toe to toe, this girl yeah. at an auction um, yeah. will not have a, a great position in the yeah. seller's market. Yeah. So you know you let that run through to auction in the buyer's market. And, put an aggressive competitive offer before auction. If that doesn't come off, they would say to her, engage a a buyer's advocate or get your mum or dad or family member or friend to bid for you. Don't bid yourself if you if you have no luck with the pre-auction offer, yeah. because it, you know you, if you haven't bid at auctions before, um, you can get emotional and overpay, but also you know it can be quite stressful and daunting for people. Um, so if I put an offer in for say six twenty one, yeah. and they decline the offer, when it actually goes to auction, could they say, look, we're going to start this at six twenty one because that's when we had our 
last offer? They, they could, but a good auctioneer wouldn't do that okay. because that would cut out the whole momentum of an auction. An auctioneer yeah. would usually want to start at low at 500, yeah. give everyone a chance to get their confidence up and put in a bid or two. Yeah. Once you put in a bid or two, you're generally going to bid even more because you're yeah. confident. It's like when you're playing a game, once you've played the first few rounds and you're com- yeah. comfortable, you keep playing. Yeah. Um, and an auction yeah. scenario, you know, I try it when I'm bidding at auctions to start my first bid high to scare yeah. off the other bidders yeah. so you know at that scenario someone might open it at 500 i might go straight up to 590 yeah and i want to cut out the, that momentum yeah. that an auction can get and then four or five people are bidding versus only bidding against one yeah, yeah. i'd rather bid against one than four or five yeah because then I've got four or five emotions going and, and they're all going to push each other up. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they wouldn't start at high. The auctioneer would generally want to start at low and yeah. get people comfortable and, and hopefully then get them to, to bid and it creates that sort of competitive energy yeah. and emotion. Yeah. Uh, but if, yeah, if I was bidding for her, I'd, I'd be sort of starting at high myself yeah. and waiting for that first low bid. Yeah auctioneer calls for a ten thousand dollar rise of five hundred and I'll go f- straight up to five eighty five or it could create sounds a sounds like a lot of fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> well yeah. it's just psychology it's yeah. psychology. You've yeah. got to sort of try and um, work out a game plan that meets the, the market dynamics and yeah. at the moment you know, the market dynamics are that there are more buyers than you want bidding against you. So you've got to try and work out some strategy to yeah. to minimise how many buyers are going to bid against you. And yeah. number one is take it off the market before auction yeah. and catch people on the hop because if an offer came in today and you're interested in the property but you're expecting the auction on Saturday and you're not quite ready because you're sort of still getting your finance dotted yeah. and your conveyance is looking at the contracts or you're still getting a builder through to have a look through or you, or you want to get your mum and dad through or anyone yeah. through and you haven't quite got there yet, yeah. you're, you're going to be out of the game and, and that's exactly what this girl yeah. would want to do yeah. is try yeah. to catch some people and get them out of the game, yeah. yeah, which reduces their competition, their chance of buying that dream home. Yeah. There so, you go, people. Yeah, good, good tips there. Good tips there, <laughs> yeah. If you need to sell and you're in a buyer's market, what would your recommended method of sale be? Would you still go to auction in that scenario or would you go a private sale or other? Yeah, it's a good question. Depends on the type of property, Mm. um, you know, the area and and a whole range of things. But typically I I still uh, think the auction method uh, is the best method to sell in uh, because generally you're going to sell the property in a quicker time frame mm-hmm. uh, with an auction sale than you are private sale. Um, often private sale properties, you know, when the market was a buyer's market, were taking 60 plus days to, to sell. Mm. Whereas a lot of the auction properties, if they weren't selling in 30 days, were selling in 40 days. So yeah. that time frame yeah. was quicker. Yeah. Um, and often if you were able to get a sale under auction conditions, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're not making it subject to finance or subject to certain conditions where buyers can pull out. And the biggest one is subject to finance for mm. two or three weeks where you take the property off the market. The buyer doesn't get their finance, they pull out and then you've got to go through the whole process and start all over again. You're back to the... You see a lot of that sort of stuff around here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, So typically, you know, an auction sale has that sort of, I suppose, the the deadline and it brings things to a head a lot quicker. 
even if it doesn't happen on auction day, yeah. even in that buyer's market where, you know, 50% of properties were selling at auction, yeah. those other 50% were generally still going to sell in, in, you know, in the next week or two, yeah. which is going to be a, a bit quicker than, you know, having them on the market for 60 to 90 days, private sale, where someone might, might pull out due to finance, yeah. and therefore that the whole process can take longer. Yeah. Uh, it can be more stressful if you're a seller because yeah. you've got to maintain and keep the property presented right if you're yeah. living there, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've had some clients there who, you know, just really struggle with that, uh, you know, the yeah, anxiety. Yeah, that's what I think can get them down a bit, yeah. Anxiety yeah. of keeping their house clean yeah. and buyers coming through and all that sort yeah. of thing. So it's exhausting. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you've got to do that, for twice as long, yeah. it's twice as exhausting. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's especially why. when they've got kids and oh, little yeah. kids and things like that can tear a place apart. Yeah, five seconds flat. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and yeah, just yeah, I, I can remember selling a was selling a home in Elwood that passed in, and I, I had a, my son was only a year old, and you know, just trying to yeah. keep the to- toys away and keep yeah. the place clean yeah. and everything. in the bin. Yeah, oh, it was, yeah, it was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So sometimes you hear people say the market is going to be better next year or I'd better sell now as it's going to do a turn next year. What is your advice for people trying to time the market? Which we've You have touched on. Touched yeah, on. yeah. I, 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 think I, I think, you know, there it's, it's not the, the smartest strategy yeah. to time the market. It's very hard, you know, even for us as professionals to, to pick yeah. the bottoms and lows of the market. Yeah. So how, how are... A person outside the industry can do it is is very very hard, yeah. um, and I think trying to time the market can cost you opportunities in terms of you know you're selling, and and buying, and I think you know the the most important thing is, is to look at your own personal situation and where your goals are at and you know what your requirements are in terms of because that baby doesn't it only takes nine months to come out doesn't it yes yeah <laughs> exactly and look at what you need and you know what you need is a as a buyer what you need is a seller and work yeah. that in and you know don't try to time the market as, as I would say it's about time in the market usually property is about long term yeah. not short term because of the high you know buying costs you know you've got your 6% um, behind from day one with stamp duty and legal fees yeah. um, so you don't want to be buying and selling and trans- transacting too regularly because you're, you're losing a lot of yeah. The money in in those transaction the high transaction costs so yeah. so really important just to yeah focus on you know what's a, a good time for you yeah. in terms of buying what's a good time for selling and yeah. ideally if uh, you're in the current market and you've got to do both yeah. uh, my advice to, to buyers is generally try to buy first in, uh, in the market we're in which is a seller's market so yeah. you buy at the lower price now yeah. and then you put your property on the market slightly later and then you sell at the higher price yeah. so you're actually getting a, a, you know the best result in terms of the changeover yeah. which can make you 50 to 100,000 in terms of lower buying for, um, prices and then make you 50 to 100,000 higher selling prices yeah. and in that changeover um, that that's the ideal in the current market oh. and obviously we do the opposite in the market we're in previously yeah. where you, you try and sell first. sell first and buy second and try and make the money in that changeover yeah. if you are doing the buying and selling together that makes sense uh, yeah. And, yeah. and just make sure you don't 
you don't sell first, then they get caught um, without being able to buy back into the market, yeah. which I've seen happen, and it's, it's happened to some clients that have yeah. rented, and two years later they're trying to chase this moving train, yeah. which is the Melbourne property market, yeah. and they can't get onto it yeah. because prices have gone up yeah. 10, 20%. That comment I, was, I said about the market is going to be better next year, and so there people go, oh, we'll just rent for a little while, or we'll just, and it's like, okay, well, that's going to be your downfall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen people do it, and then they get to hardened because yeah. they think oh I could have bought that a year ago for 1 million yeah. now they're selling for 1.3 I've got to move two or three suburbs further out yeah. yep. and sometimes they just lose the plot and go you know this is all too hard yeah. and yeah. I've stuffed up and they, they give up they yeah. give up yeah. they give up and they're stuck renting and yeah. and you know it's it's never going to come back price is never going to come back Again, to where to they the were. Smashed avocados and <laughs> spending all their money. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, don't don't make that big mistake at the yeah. moment where you sell first. Yeah. Um, try and buy first on the longer settlement. Yeah. Have your property ready to sell, and then there's nothing worse than you sell, and then you can't find something that you want to move into, and and then yeah. you're sort of stuck, and you've got to move twice, three times, go into mm. rental accommodation, and, and so forth. Yeah. Sound advice. How do you assess if the market has peaked or bottomed out? Well, looking at what the prices are doing in in you know in those areas, so you've got to really try and look at what's happening in the market. Uh, the biggest and easiest indicators are looking at what's happening in the quarterly um, results in terms of the quarterly median house prices yep. and looking at the graphs and just assessing where things are at and obviously looking at clearance rates as well you know you can start to tell when the market is peaking and when the market is obviously at its lowest point you know the lowest point the clearance rates are, are going to be in that 40s zone yep. um, when the markets peak they're probably going to be in the 80 85 percent zone yeah. as they were in 2017 so so looking at that is the easiest indicators because you, you, you can read that each week in the auction results yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the other indicators I look at is I've got access to um, the median um, house prices and median unit prices every quarter mm. and looking at the, those graphs the and trends. looking at what's happening in certain areas and some suburbs as I said are, are peaking earlier yeah. and then the outer suburbs are really peaking later yeah. um, but you know the the, the consumer sentiment will really uh, tell you what's happening with those, you know, the clearance rates mm-hmm. at, at auctions are our, are our sort of heartbeat of the property market. Yeah. And when you're looking at the 40s and 85, yeah. that's, I suppose, that's that's where you're sort of going to look that's at. That's a pretty big peak, indicator. Yeah. yeah, those peak markets. Yeah. yeah. And, and non-peak, you know, when, when they uh, haven't peaked. And you, and you already have said... You know, not to try time the market in yeah, any way. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Frank, you have a special offer for us, for our listeners. 10% discount for buyers or vendors looking at using your buyers or vendor advocacy services. Yeah, that absolutely. So they can, you know, come on board and uh, I can personally help them with that. Yeah. And we've also got uh, property management services that we offer. So we'd also offer a 10% discount yeah. if they're looking to lease their property and, and have it managed so so the way we'll deal with that is we'll ask um do something on facebook yeah, yeah and we'll tell everybody who likes shares 
and makes comment on our um, Facebook page. Um, yeah, we'll do a, we'll do a specific post about post about it. Yeah, Frank's offer and and um, yeah, and what we'll do is we'll, we'll let give, you know. We'll give that away as a one-off. Mm. It's a one-off rather than not everybody getting ten percent off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a yeah. one-off. Yeah, and that'd be great. Yeah. we'd love to help someone. <laughs> yeah, so. help somebody to get um ten percent off the buyers and vendors. Someone ready to services. go. Yeah, yeah. great. Okay. Get Thanks for giving us a little bit more of an understanding about the market, Frank. Um, and we'll take a little break and come back with some more of Grant's fun facts. Fun facts, fun facts. Rightio. According to the REIV website, as at the end of 2019, both a house and unit in metropolitan Melbourne takes an average of 33 days to sell. Um, so that would indicate, would you say, a seller's market? Seller's market, definitely, yeah. While in regional Victoria, a house or unit will take an average of 57 days to sell. Would you say that's a buyer's market? Buyer's market, yeah. When you're up at 60, 60 plus, you're, mm. you're more in a, a buyer's market. It is taking a, a lot longer in those areas to sell. and. And obviously, when Melbourne comes back to being a buyer's market again, you'll you'll see those days on market blow out to 60, 70 days. Yep, even in Melbourne as well. Even in Melbourne, yeah. That's that's where they were in the the last sort of year and a half, that September 2017. Okay, right. To to May period. Uh, Of of those houses, apartments uh, that went to auction in Victoria uh, or in Melbourne, uh, 78.3% clearance rate was in the city, while in the country it was at 61.2%. So that probably matches in with what you've been saying? Yeah, definitely. And, and the country areas obviously have less auction mm. volumes as well and yeah. obviously less data to, 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 to put in there as well. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the future look of the, the Australian market, in 1970, Australia's population was at 12.5 million and currently has double the population at around 25.4 million. Australia's population is likely to grow to 30 million people over the coming decade to 2030 and to 40 million by uh, 2048. Um, That would suggest that... 40 million for Australia. 40 million people. For Australia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for Australia. So you could say, I suppose, from that, that there's going to be always... well going to be a growth in demand moving forward, um, suggesting that property prices would rise over that time, hopefully. Not yeah. always, but yeah. it'll go up and down, but yeah. the Urban general school. trend that property will continue to yeah. grow as it has done over the last 20 years. The urban sprawl years. will be there and land will be more mm. valuable. Yeah and, so. yeah, and our population keeps growing. If we look at Melbourne, it's grown by 150,000 people a year mm. and they all need houses to live in. Yeah. Well, there you go. I've got Mel here. I've got another stat here. Melbourne is Australia's fastest growing city, 2.4% per annum, adding more than 125,000 people in the last year. That is the equivalent of adding a new Darwin or Ballarat or Bendigo annually to Melbourne. So wow. there you go. Wow. Based on its current rate of growth, Melbourne's population will reach 8 million in 2037, roughly. And Sydney will take a little longer to reach the 8 million mark. Uh, they'll make that by 2040. Mm. So there you go. Scary stuff, really. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, great stuff. And the scary stuff is the bloody roads oh, yeah. are busy. And yeah, imagine how the busy they're going to keep go- yeah. getting. It's just it's horrific being yeah. on the roads. Yeah. yeah. So well, there is a bit more infrastructure going in, but still, it's, it's still not yeah. They definitely, uh, yeah. I got stuck on a Westgate bridge the other day. They had a um, three truck pile up, oh, and no. it took me one hour to just get over the bridge. It was an hour and ten. And that was yeah. at two thirty p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah, it's so like you rolled up to that Luckily, I'm just on the phone in the car making phone calls, but he's still it's like he's sitting there going, "Oh, oh God, I'm <laughs> doing this every day." Yeah, because the and girls, I've got a few of the girls that work out, uh, live out west, and yeah. we've got to drive into Elwood. And if there's a, a, a smash on the bridge, yeah. they don't get in the office for three hours. It's yeah. like three hours yeah. to, to get into work. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Isn't it? So I wonder how the um, the tunnel will make a. It will make, make a big difference. difference. Yeah, yeah, it'll have. Yeah, it has to. No, it has to make yeah. a big difference. Yeah, yeah that's good. Yeah. Well, they, they need it. They need that bloody east-west link that yeah. the idiot cancels. Yeah, I thought that was the one we really needed. We yeah. needed that. That's yeah. a disaster. It takes you like a forty-five minutes to get from that uh, pump road yeah. on the street to get down to where the. Um, on the, on that um, racecourse road or whatever. Yeah, yeah going through Colton there basically. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's um, anyway, it's kind of a track you have to do a fair bit uh, when you sort of gotta get, yeah. get across there. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. All right. This a quick quiz. All right. Okay. Frank, what's your favourite Melbourne suburb? Elwood, where oh, I live. Of course it is. <laughs> it's a pretty cool mm, suburb. I reckon is. if I ever, you know, had a little, I'd like a little apartment in Elwood, I think. Just, yeah. I reckon, nice little art deco-y thing, that would be... That I've lived there for 20 years, I'd never live anywhere else. Yeah. Now. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's a good spot. So what's better, Flinders Street Station or Southern Cross Station? Flinders Street Station, only because I know it more. Yeah. I haven't gone to Southern Cross very many times. I don't know, you see those soccer games at, you know, Marvel Stadium. I do, but yeah, I don't really catch the train when I go oh, in there. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. You're a victory fan? Yeah, I'm a victory yeah. fan. Who's your favourite Melbourne-based actor? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know what? I used to love Vince Colosimo and, yeah. and Nick Janopoulos, yeah. the Wog boys. The Wog boys. Showing my age and being a Wog myself. Yeah. Uh, they were fun, so yeah. I'd probably say them. Them, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite sporting venue? MCG. Yeah. And I like Amy Park when I'm watching my Melbourne Victory win, which is not yeah. often at the moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sore point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what's the last band slash musician you saw live? I haven't gone to see anyone for ages. I was going to say Prince, but geez, that would be a while ago. Yeah. Uh, I did go to see Prince, but that but, was ages ago. Uh, that would have... Because he died like about three months or four months after that, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think it might have been Prince. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Prince would have been good to see. Uh, what's your favourite place to visit in the CBD? South Bank, Yarra. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like going along there. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's your sort that's of that's where I like going. Place, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the worst house you've seen in Melbourne? Can I come back to that one? Okay. Can I tell you my worst house? Hmm. Uh, North Caulfield. One of a pair, but it had a unit thing at the back with a laneway. The unit thing at the back had the kitchen cabinets. Oh, I should say this. The floorboards were so rotten, the kitchen cabinets were sitting on the dirt. Oh, oh God. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you had to go through a cupboard, which, again, all we saw was dirt on the ground, 
and it was like a walk, it was like a mm. built-in road. She was almost a knockdown. <laughs> well, you couldn't because yeah. it was a, one of a pet. Like it was, mm. oh, yeah. and um, and you had to go through the cupboard to get to the bathroom. Uh, like you had to go through this built-in robe to get to the bathroom. Right, there you go. And again, it was just everything. The floorboards were just rotten to the ground. Yeah, it was the worst. I remember going through a house. So I can tell you about the worst smell I ever went oh. through. So uh-huh. I went through, went through a block of units, and it was this. There was like eight eight apartments. We were looking to buy the yeah. whole block in the Vogue Avenue in Elwood. I can remember walking in there, and this place just stunk. There was this stench, and we opened the. the the bedroom um, and this guy it was a one bedroom apartment yeah. was breeding cats and um, birds wow. and there was like there would have been like 50 cats and 50 birds in cages yeah. in there oh, yeah, and the just the worst, smell yeah oh my god so in the end um, you walk out of there you can just smell it on your clothes all yeah. day oh, yeah. you can't breathe and and <laughs> I went back there because the block got sold and you know, we went back in there and it had already been renovated. I could still smell that smell. Oh, I don't yeah. know if it was in my cycle yeah. or whatever, but it was yeah. just like, it yeah, was nothing worse disgusting. How can someone, like, in a one bedroom, and that's, they were actually sleeping yeah. in there as well. They had the yeah. bed there and they were sleeping in there. Yeah, they wouldn't notice. Who was the last comedian you saw live? You don't go out there much. I don't go. Yuzi, <laughs> Yuzi. Yuzi? Yeah, okay. he was doing a gig at one of the block Events. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll go that yep. um, what's your favourite style of Melbourne house? Period homes, yeah. you know, any any period home, Edwardian, yeah, Californian bungalow, everything. I've lived in period homes my whole life. Yeah. And, and um, I live in one now. We've got an Art Deco home in Elwood, and yeah, I just love the older style. Yeah. You know, rooms and period features, just yeah. that sort of emo- you yeah. know, emotional pull. Yeah. And last one, what's been the best thing you've done on a day trip? Best thing? Just go to wineries. Yeah. Yeah, just do a winery tour. Yeah. I, I do like my vinos. Yeah. <laughs> and I like going to you know, wineries and having nice fine dining. And so you're just, yep. just yeah. doing one of those winery tours yeah. down on the peninsula. Thank you, Frank Volantic, for coming on Real Estate Right. We hope you enjoyed yourself and look forward to having you on again soon. Thank you. It's great. Thanks a lot for coming. Cheers. And next week, we will have your block colleague, Nicole Jacobs, talking to us about vendor advocates and what they do. I'm always a little confused about these ones, aren't you, Grant? Yep, absolutely. And their role in selling my home, but I'm sure Nicole will set us straight on the benefits of having a vendor advocate on our side. Real Estate Right is a real copyright and We Shoot Buildings production. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stop for sound effects and Premium Beat for our theme music. Don't forget to like Real Estate Right on Facebook and Instagram. And if you love this podcast and want to help us, we'd be ever so thankful if you could please subscribe, rate and review us on your favourite podcast service. As you can hear, Grant and I love a chat and welcome any of our listeners to email us if they have any questions they would like answered in a future episode. So please send us an email to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening.